to be present, we must be intentional. And to bear fruit, we must feed the soul. You're listening to Positive and Ponder. Ponders, welcome back to another episode of Positive and Ponder. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my name is Pauline, also known as Pauline Ponders, and I have a guest speaker with us today, as well as Mayor Rose, who's helping us. As you can see, we are on Zoom today, um, but we hope that you can bear with us as we're still trying to figure out all this technical stuff. So I'm hoping that it goes through smoothly. Um, but I'm super excited for this one. If you are new here, um, Positive and Ponder is a podcast where we talk about everything and anything in the aim to give you some encouragement, some hope, hopefully to give you some perspective um, and something that you can take to your own community, to your homes, and just relating to one another and hearing each other's stories. So today I have my guest speaker, Amber, um, also known as a nanny's life is that correct that's it is okay yeah. good um I've been an avid follower um to her Instagram because I too was a nanny um which I can talk more about later so I am firmly firmly uh an advocate and a, and a passionate person for education for children in general and I've always wanted to have the opportunity to talk more about that and I thought Amber was a perfect um guest speaker to talk more about that and the importance of raising and uplifting and empowering our children today and if you're not a children person, a kid's person. Hopefully we tug some hearts today because it's so much more than what you see on media and um, the things you may see like in public, but there's things that go deeper when it comes to working with children. And yeah, so I'm super excited. Thank you, Amber, for being here. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat. Yeah, I'm so excited to engage in this conversation and hopefully bring more perspectives to people out there who may not be or may not have the opportunity to talk about things like this. But for those who um, don't know you, can you please let us know who you are? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm Amber. Um, I am a career nanny. I've been in the field for almost 12 years now. Um, I typically work in household holds between 40 and 50 hours a week, um, supporting families. Currently, I work for a family of three children, six, four, and two. So we have a whole lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but outside of that, I also have a podcast called A Nanny's Life, um, where I talk to other caregivers just about their experiences um, and try to sort of illuminate the fact that we have lives on the clock and off the clock. Um, and we, you know, we chat about what life is like moving back and forth in between different um, systems of society and trying to build our own beautiful lives while supporting other families. So, yeah. That's wonderful. I am, again, super excited for you on this new chapter of you starting this podcast. Um, I think I don't think there's many. I know a few um, other nannies who have podcasts, and I think it's such an important 
um, and uplifting things, especially for nannies, because I feel like the only time nannies get to really vent out is at the park at the playground Mm -hmm. like those are the really the people that we can relate with um but yeah so before we get into anything um can you share more about who you are personally do you have any specific hobbies that you're into when you're not working with children what are you doing basically oh my goodness I have a billion hobbies um so when I was in high school I went to performing arts school Um, and so I've done music, I've done musical theater, I've done gospel music, um, I've done acapella, um, I did, um, you know, like stage crew for theaters, we used to build our stages in high school, um, so I'm pretty handy as well, um, there was a season that I was a photographer, um, and honestly, writing has become such an outlet for me lately, Mm -hmm. um, And I'm so grateful to God because all those gifts work so well together in what I'm trying to achieve with this platform. Um, So I'm learning how to balance when I do my hobbies for fun and when I do them to sort of support the message that I'm trying to get out there. But yeah, creative arts is really my jam. I'm so into those things. Um, They fill my cup. (laughs) That's so beautiful. And no wonder, like I really vibed with your, your energy when I, when I encountered you on Instagram, like wow like this girl <laughs> I can relate I was also in performing arts so was Mary Rose so um yeah we definitely know what that life was um in mm-hmm. high school it's yeah it was really fun times exciting times and I think it's great to have hobbies especially when having to move into adult life and being professional um it really keeps us balanced but Absolutely. yeah so moving on into uh, the pondering questions that I have for you today. So what was your upbringing life um, or what was your upbringing um, throughout your life? And do you believe that had any connection to you being a nanny um, today? 100%. So <laughs> I was, I was telling you guys earlier, I was born in Maryland um, and moved to Georgia when I was about four years old. Um, but when we lived in Maryland, my mom had a daycare in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom has always been a kid person. She has always spoken the language of little people. And I think she was on that gentle parenting sort of train way before everyone else. Um, so she was able to manage several kids in the home. And that just kind of always stuck with me. Um, when we moved to Georgia, she became a single parent and you know she was hustling. So she moved into a different industry professionally, but the way that she related to us and even my cousins and like other kids at church was just so almost poetic to me because other adults didn't seem to see us, but my Mm -hmm. mom always saw us um, and she always included us. And so as I grew up and I made friends with, you know, other kids whose parents also didn't necessarily see or hear them, I was like, wow, there really is avoid here. Um, And in high school, I took an AP psychology course, which got me into a lot of brain work. And I was like, oh, it's very interesting to learn how people learn Mm. and what things stick with people, what things impact people and in what ways. Um, So then when I went to college, um, which is probably jumping ahead, but I went to Duke University and I studied developmental psychology. Um, 
initially with the intention of working with children with learning and behavioral disabilities, but I learned so much about the brain and it really confirmed a lot of the ways that my mom functioned with children, um, reinforced that, you know, she was on the right track. So I immediately just wanted to work with kids. Like I wanted to be who my mom was to her community, to a newer generation. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. All of what you said, I can relate to. It's really such a fascinating thing when you learn through generations of studies of why we are the way we are, why we end up being the people that we are today and how um, we can prevent things and help things and aid things when we have all of this knowledge um, for future generations. So that's wonderful. I also was um, a witness to my mom who also took care of children. She was also a nanny caregiver um, and she was a single mom. And so, you know, still money was still a little uh, there was not much of it when I was younger. And so thankfully, like her employers let us come with her to work. So, I mean, at the time it was just like, you know, playing with their kids, but, you know, I really gained more perspective later on being like, wow, it was so much more than just babysitting. You're also, you know, um, being there when, you know, the parents have to go to work and listening and being available. I think that was really such a wonderful thing that we are, we get to be available for these children. Um, so that's awesome. So for you, what's the best thing work when, when working with children? What's the best thing that you, you know, uh, I guess, feel accomplished and fulfilled at the end of the day? Going just like what I said about my mom, seeing and hearing us, when my kids show me that they feel seen and heard by me, it's like a really big deal. Mm. Um, so, and like you said, we are available, right? We take the time to sit with them and and to pay attention to some of the little nuances of their personality and of their behaviors. And when my kids can tell me a memory that they had with me, like the other day, um, the four-year-old was like, you remember we went to your house on your birthday and that was the best day ever. Mm. And my birthday was in December, you know, and it was just one day. Um, or if they want me to participate in their lives outside of the house. So last week I got the opportunity to be a mystery reader at my kid's school. Mm. And for me, that was like such a big deal because a lot of times as caregivers, we are equated to our function, right? Mm. Like just there to serve this function while the parents are doing what they have to do in order to survive. But to be able to really have an identity as part of their lives, it gives me faith for one, that our relationship will be long lasting, but for two, that it is important that I exist to the children, not just to the parents who need childcare. Mm, yeah, for sure. And it definitely makes, you know, obviously working with children is not easy all the time, but what energizes us um, and what keeps us going every day, even if we have like just one more hour and we feel like we're at our ends, is just the fact that they're going to remember today. They're going to remember that even if I'm physically tired, they're going to have the time of their lives. You know, they're going to have that um, you know, memory, like you said, and something that they can share in the future. And um, so that's beautiful. That's a beautiful, a beautiful purpose and reason as to why 
you love what you do. Um, and that's kind of a great segue to, I remember watching some of your stuff on your Instagram talking about empathy and how that kind of ties in into what we do, what you do. So being an empathetic person, I've definitely, you know, that it's something you definitely have to navigate through. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it can be heavy at times, um, and a lot. And, you know, it definitely can affect our mind, our body, our soul. So how has that journey been for you um, being a caregiver and having all of this empathy around you? Because it's more than just working with the children, it's working with adults, it's working with a lot of people. Yeah, it has been such a journey. Um, I like to call being an empath a beautiful burden mm. because it, like you said, it's heavy. It, it's a responsibility. And when that is just who you are, it it's really hard to turn off at times. So going into a household with five different personalities every morning, you have no idea what you're walking into, but you will absorb whatever you walk into, right? And for me, there I have had to do a lot of work on, for one, separating myself from the energy in a way, right? Reminding myself there's a million and one things that may have happened between the time I left yesterday and the time I got here today. So that energy is not about me, number mm-hmm. one. And then number two, channeling the energy into something more productive. So if the kids are really energetic at 8 a.m. and I you know, would love for them to sit down and eat breakfast, maybe we do an activity that allows them to get some of that energy out before I try to talk to them about being calm. Um, And a lot of that comes with self-regulation and keeping (laughs) myself in check. Um, It's almost like there's 10 things happening at a time. And then the third thing about the energy is, so it's one thing to separate myself from the energy. It's another thing to separate my function from the energy. So I try to have um, concrete, goals for the day um, before I even walk into the situation, right? So if I didn't get the kitchen like I wanted to to get it the day before, that's going to be a thing on my list. If I didn't have some one-on-one time with each child the day before, I'm going to try to do that. And I'm also going to demonstrate to them that I'm also a person with feelings <laughs> and mm-hmm. needs. So I try to be authentic in my conversation, especially with the kids. Um, the parents, not as much because then it kind of teeters on that mm-hmm. professionalism line. But if, if I need a thing, I will tell the kids, you know what, guys, I actually didn't eat breakfast this morning. So I'm going to take 10 minutes and eat so I can be a little bit stronger for you mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. Or if it's quiet time, you know, I'm actually going to sit here and be quiet myself as well. You can sit with me if you like, but we're going to just, you know, decompress a little bit. So it really is a lot of self-work, regulating myself before I get in that door, and then also giving the family grace and holding my boundaries at the same time, just so that I don't just take it all on and take it home with me um, and then struggle to be whoever I actually am, you know, Mm -hmm. after that. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a multitask job. Like something happens, maybe a child is having a frustrating time and 
you don't have enough in you to like figure it out so you literally have to like move yourself um physically and just you could be just making their lunch but still trying to navigate in your head what should I do next and Mm -hmm. it is a lot but I I really love what you what you said when you know you tell them verbally that you know I didn't have breakfast today and you know that's why it's such a great that's why I love working with children because this is the time where they're they're sponges they receive everything they ask why all the time and that which is another thing I want to ask you like what have you learned through them um while working with children because asking why is something that as we adult we we struggle with you know what I mean um mm-hmm. and sometimes it's hard for us to like accept certain things but them themselves they just they're really curious whether they remember or not like they really want to ask why um so I'm glad that you give that space for them to understand you and teach empathy to them while you are yourself doing that as well yeah <laughs> and it, it, I mean I've learned I think children in a lot of ways they're sponges but they're also mirrors right mm-hmm. when we deal with tiny humans <laughs> a lot of the difficulty or challenges that arise are a result of something that's going on with us whether it's bringing up childhood trauma, whether it's illuminating, you know, some mental health struggles that we are having ourselves, Mm. um, or even just whether or not we didn't check in with ourselves that day. Right. So I've learned from children (laughs) that it is, it is possible to, allow them to be part of the experience it is possible to allow them to weigh in and have opinions and share their feelings and have sort of a two-way conversation about most things while still maintaining your role as the adult um, as a responsible party um, as a person responsible for them and it has taught me how to converse with adults really It has taught me how to give grace to adults in a lot of ways, because I think so many of us have so much hurt that we've buried because we have to just keep swimming, right? We live in this Western society where you got to, you got to get after the money. You got to get the house, the car, the relationship, all these things. And everyone is so overloaded and overstimulated and burnout. And a lot of people have not learned how to respond rather than react. So dealing with children has taught me that that grace can be a beautiful thing, even in adult relationships and holding an adult accountable for what you know is unfair, right? So an adult who has not done the work to regulate themselves or to compartmentalize some of the things that have triggered them before they're going to react to you in ways that are maybe unsavory. Mm-hmm. But if it has nothing to do with you and you know that it has nothing to do with you, then you don't react the same way. You respond thoughtfully, right? So I think that's the biggest lesson that kids have taught me is that if we, we really are all dealing with our own set of circumstances and grace is the most beautiful thing that we can extend to one another. Absolutely. Very beautifully said. Yeah. Another thing that I've learned um, is just from them is like, 
like you said, you mentioned it before, they are mirrors and they kind of remind you of like just the simple thing of like, hey, guys, you got to drink your water. Time to take, a, you know, your your water break. And I'm like, have I taken my water break? <laughs> it's time to let's have com- some quiet time. Did I have my quiet time this week? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and mm-hmm. also it's just the simple things. Like I'm so grateful um, during COVID when being like outside was like the best thing we can do to really keep sane and, and working with children, like simple things like that, just going outside and just being mindful. And I'm so glad that mindfulness practices are emerging within, you know, the school spaces as well. And I, my biggest hope is that that continues. And um, but of course, like you said, we have to take care of ourselves to be our best selves for these children. And I just hope that more opportunities, more resources will be given to educators, to caregivers, so that yeah. we can do that. <laughs> you know, another lesson, well, this piggybacks off of your lesson, because you were saying like, you're reminding the kids to do the things that they need to do to live their best life, right? Did you drink mm-hmm. water? Did you have quiet time? The biggest lesson I have learned in the past three years is that self-care does not equal treat yourself. Mm-hmm. We are caregivers. We spend all day caring for children. And that does not equal us turning on the TV for as long as they want or letting them eat whatever they want or, you know, Mm -hmm. caring for them includes the hard stuff. It includes teaching them to be responsible and building good habits. And for myself, like at the beginning of COVID, I had a lot of resentment, right? Because I had to get up, get showered, get dressed and commute to work. I would get to work and everyone was in pajamas. <laughs> mm, mm. So I had a lot of resentment, I won't lie. And I spent a lot of time indulging in self-care, what I thought it was at the time. Um, but it really was me neglecting what I actually needed and not being proactive enough to take care of myself off the clock to be better at work so yeah that's a that's a strong lesson Mm. (laughs) self-care is not is not what media makes it you know for sure um a question that I just thought of (laughs) now just being curious um for you are you more so a planner I guess I'll I'll just describe it like plan a are you type a more type a or more type b because I know we can also like incorporate that within our our teaching and our and our working with children so you know f- for me personally who is more um swaying towards type a um children has helped me a lot mm-hmm. in navigating and reminding myself that not things don't go as a plan all the time um mm-hmm. Working with children is inevitable. Yes, there's structure. Yes, there's routines. But um, yeah, sometimes it just may not go to plan. So I'm just curious, what what is your style of um, when planning something for your day or within your week? And how do you react and deal with unexpected things? <laughs> I So I used to be very type A. Mm. And I used to spiral when things did not go well especially if it meant that I had to if I felt like I was the only person who had to adjust in order for things to go well right mm-hmm. um and funny enough I prefer to work for type a families just because I find that it gives you a better working environment or at least a more consistent working environment um 
but lately I am just here for the party and honestly I think I'm spoiled because I've been with the same family for six years so I can take liberties and sort of veer off the beaten path a good bit but coming into work and then assessing and then deciding what the day is going to be has helped me tremendously you know I come in I take the temperature I see where we're at I talk to the parents about you know what's going on for the day and then I will plan it but not far ahead not before I have all the necessary information if that makes sense that's really good and that can be applied to adult life too like just within Mm -hmm. ourselves assessing Mm -hmm. so important because if we just jump into it it's like oh my gosh what just happened like you're just frustrated but assessing and being mindful that's that's a note for myself <laughs> As helps the kids go with the flow too because mm-hmm. you know when you're taking care of three children who all go to like different schools and different programs and stuff things change a lot um at the last minute and I know for kids it's hard when things change right from their routine but if they're used to a sort of like hour by hour minute by minute assessing and then <laughs> going with a plan it's it's much easier. We avoid a lot of um, disappointment because I don't like I'm I'm a caregiver who does not tell kids about big plans. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm getting tickets to the science museum or the aquarium, I'm not telling you until probably we're in the car mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, you you children get disappointed so many times a day just based on what they would like to happen versus what really happens. Wow. Um. And I hate to add to that disappointment because then I end up feeling guilty and then we end up having to, you know, get our relationship back together. So, yeah. (laughs) They are really little people Mm -hmm. for sure. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So thank you for answering those questions. I think um, two more because I'm (laughs) just so passionate about this topic, but um, so as you know, and I've also had, I don't know if uh, you know, oh, simply yes. um, rainy. rainy. Yes. I, I rainy. also had her on my podcast um, a while ago um, before she jumped into full-time teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but she talked a little bit briefly about how there's not so much advocacy for nannies and how it's very much, um, um, <laughs> yeah, basically there's not much advocacy for nannies, child caretakers, even like in teachers in general, we're still underpaid for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's not much funding and support for that. Um, And it is an essential uh, profession in this world and in the lives of children. And so um, I've had personal experiences too, but I'm sure you have as well, where what we do is definitely not the top of the list in society. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Especially in terms of financial you know stability um but uh, have you experienced that too where family friends or people would suggest to you something different in your life oh my goodness so (laughs) I went I am a black woman in America who went to Duke University and got a bachelor's degree and then decided to hang out with a baby all day (laughs) like I had so much pushback I think my mom was the only person who was like you know go for it because she she gets it because she can identify um but yeah I 
I would argue that I had to explain myself more to like my family and Mm. my friends than society at large. Um, And a lot of that is tied into the history of caregiving in this country, of course. Um, But also this idea that um, you, you can't be a professional if you work in someone's home, like that, that's a paradox for a lot of people, um, that they don't really seem to understand, but the science says otherwise. Right. And I have, I just have to stand on the fact that I know that the first five years of these kids' lives are the most impactful and the work that I'm putting in, while it may not be acknowledged, while it may not necessarily come back to me, uh, it's important and it's, it's setting them up for some serious success in life so but yeah it's I think part of the problem with the nanny industry is visibility right what we see in media what we see even on social media what is available to us for the frame of a nanny is for one unrealistic and not an accurate representation of what being a nanny is like um and then for two it's just very uh idyllic almost like everyone wants the like happy caregiver that is always smiling that is always up for the challenge that has a little bit of magic in them you know (laughs) that is super palatable And I think a lot of that stems from not only the history of caregiving in this country, but this notion of of privacy and uh, discretion that are tied into the professionalism of holding a job as a nanny, right? So if we want to talk about what we do a lot of times, a lot, it's, it's seen as us talking about the people we work for, as opposed to what we do. So a lot of nannies don't do it. Um, A lot of nannies can't do it. Um, A lot of people sign NDAs and things like that. Mm -hmm. So those of us who are out here daily in the trenches doing this work are not necessarily the visible ones. And because we are not as visible, then people get to sort of paint their idea of what it is, right? So if you're not out here like flaunting your home and your car, if you're not able to just leave work in the middle of the day, you can't be living a good life. You can't be living a full life or a well-rounded life is the idea. And that's part of why I was so passionate about changing the flow of a nanny's life. Cause it used to just be about the kids mm-hmm. and the crafts and the, you know, whatever, but we're people. And in order to humanize the industry, we have have to show our faces we have to tell our stories we have to put things out there and it's difficult it's delicate (laughs) you have to kind of be careful what you say how you say it but I do think it's important to say something you know and and to become more visible we have to sort of change the narrative ourselves Mm. to help people understand yeah yeah and I'm so thankful for accounts like yours and the transparency is so important. That's also why I do this podcast. Transparency is uncomfortable, but has brought more good things um, than it does 
with the fear that we we experienced prior to even sharing our stories and I feel like even though my mom's not doing um, child care she's a caretaker now but um, yeah in a way like I had family friends too or friends of my mom being like well I come from um, um, immigrant family and my mom came here by herself and so caregiving house cleaning you know that's pretty much what everyone had within our community and so a lot of people questioned why I'm, I was a nanny um, and why I worked with children like my mom. And I'm like, but I do it because I look up to my mom and I re- highly respect what she did. And so I'm really hoping that, you know, through conversations like this and accounts like yours, um, that we too um, can advocate for them when they couldn't, when they didn't have that voice. Um, even simple things like I know a lot of my my mom's friends who are caretakers still haven't asked for a raise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are just some things that are uncomfortable for them to talk about. And, you know, we, we at least we have the awareness that, you know, it may be difficult for some, but if not now, then when and who will start that start that, you know, and so it's definitely an honor to be able to be the trailblazers of the voices for you know not just our future but um you know our past um you know role models in our life as well you know yeah that's beautiful I used to say um that you know when people question you going into an industry that others were forced to work in mm. it's like turning your lemons into a legacy right other other families have a history of healthcare work, right? Your dad was a doctor, your granddad was a doctor, so on and so forth. And why would we not take the passion, but also the skill, the knowledge that it takes to work with children and at the same time demand fair wages and good working conditions um, and live a beautiful life? Because really a lot of the struggle of being a nanny long-term is that Nannies are expected to be professional, but parents aren't always expected to be professional employers, Mm. right? So it's, they want to treat us like independent contractors, right? You don't get a manual, you don't get a handbook, you don't get HR, you don't get help. You Mm. really have to figure it out on your own in a lot of ways, because it's, it's one of those weird industries where your boss doesn't necessarily know how to do your job. Um, and your boss is not held accountable for that, right? So we're we're taking almost the biggest challenges of both worlds, right? Of being, we're not independent contractors, we're household employees. So really you're supposed to be able to lead me and guide me and help me and support me as your employee. But it's easier for families to say, I will give you your paycheck and you make the things happen <laughs> in the household. So I really think we we have to get to a place where we are, and it, me too, I'm really bad at this, but we have to get to a place where we're comfortable holding our bosses accountable for their role in this whole hierarchy. If you want to be the boss, you got to be the boss, right? So that includes your working conditions. You know, if you have a space in the home where you feel like you and the kids can do what you and the kids need to do um, comfortably. If you have all the supplies that you need, I cannot tell you how many times I've had to run out for diapers or wipes or milk 
And it seems like a small thing, but it's not because I'm an employee, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, dealing with contractors in and out of the house, like that's really fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And also having to be responsible for these tiny humans being content and being safe at the same time. Um, It's a big beast. And I think that's why sometimes our elders wish we hadn't chosen that route but um we're making it work you know we're figuring it out we're establishing some standards and some boundaries and we're gonna get there (laughs) absolutely yeah and that's another thing that we learn how to advocate for ourselves how to to build that confidence sometimes you just gotta fake it till you make it to be honest Mm-hmm. like I'm I'm comfortable talking about this conversation with you parent but I'm gonna do it because I see myself as a professional and I you know sometimes you just got to make that stand and it's all about practice it's really every day mm-hmm. the practice mm-hmm. um for sure yeah so one last question for you um so just imagine that I don't know who this audience may be but basically people that you have just a few minutes to explain why it's so important to uplift and empower our children and what we can do as a whole. Because of course, you know, some people who may be listening to this be like, oh, I'm not really, you know, a kid's person. Like, I don't know what I could do, what I can say. And of course, it's not, um, we don't definitely don't want to say like, oh, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. But there are like little things in our life that can really <laughs> create an impact. Um uh whether you think it think or not to these children not even just you know within a school within you know even if you're a caretaker or not um within you know just our families like our cousins our nieces our nephews like what what would you say what what little things can we do to make sure that we are guiding the children and helping them aiding them and empowering them for the future So I recently read a book called What Happened to You, and it basically is a deep dive on how our early life experiences inform our entire lives, right? And in the book, they talked about how in early childhood, in those first five years, every experience is literally mapping your brain, developing your brain, teaching you how the world works. And I think the easiest thing to do if you are a parent or just around kids a lot is to allow them some sort of agency, Um, include them (laughs) in life. And it can be as simple as, you know, what color should I use to write this note to your teacher? Or would you like your chicken done this way or that way? Um, because I think what happens a lot of times is adults take care of children a little, a little more than necessary sometimes. And then we expect at like 10, 11, 12 for them to just switch and start to become functional and independent and all that stuff. But I think if you include kids from the start, whether it's the conversation, whether it's small decision-making, whether it's just checking in with them and asking how they feel Mm. I think it helps them find their place in this big world it helps them to feel like they matter 
um, not just to you, but just in general. And it helps them to understand that they are participating in this world and not just trapped in it, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, that's so true. I like when you said involve them. I think a child does not want to be left out, you know, Um, physically, mentally, emotionally. That's they don't want to feel neglected. And I think the scary thing about adulthood is that you will feel neglected even by the closest people in your lives. And to be able to um, to give them that space when they're younger can definitely help them in the future when they adult themselves and be like, you know, it, obviously we can't change someone, like you said, in 24 hours, but it's just those little, those little availabilities, you know, just being there and just listening. Oh my gosh, listening even as adults, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, such a powerful tool to have, yeah. you know, because it builds um, such confidence too. Mm-hmm. like, I matter, I, my opinion matters, my input matters. I impact the world that I live in, you know, just by looking them in the eye. And like you said, listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Amber. Of course, we can go on and on and on and on <laughs> about all of this. And we'll definitely have, I hope we have more chances to do that together. Yeah. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to add um, to this podcast for our audience? Anything you'd like to share? Um, tell them what's going on. And yeah. Your yeah. Um, I think, so the first thing is, um, I think most caregivers are to a degree empaths Mm. um and I would like to say to caregivers that I get it (laughs) it's okay you are amazing you are playing a beautiful role in balancing this world and this society and even your small circles and as heavy as it can get sometimes you're you're really doing God's work in a way um and I see you Mm. as I'm like gushing yeah yeah because we you know we get to this place where we've established ourselves as the empath of our friend group our family or work or whatever and a lot of us becoming caregivers then we're the empath everywhere right we're responsible for everyone's feelings and people forget that like we need something Mm -hmm. (laughs) ourselves we need someone to check in and to and to bounce ideas off of um so Anywho, I see you mm-hmm. and I am always available to chat for anyone who wants to reach out. I'm pretty responsive. Um, I can be found on Instagram at a nanny's life. Um, I have a little podcast called a nanny's life. If you want to hear more, it's on um, Apple and Spotify. And I have a website, which is a nanny's um, And this conversation is really inspiring me to get more into the feels of it all because we you know we're expected not to feel we're expected to just get through it and be over it but it really is heart work as I like to call it yeah well thank you Amber um truly even though we're just meeting um uh, truly people like you inspire me to keep going and um to continue to be trailblazers is that the term trailblazers Mm -hmm. of um our generation God always tells me and like gives me Rama words of like urgency and this is for my generation and so that's really what pushes me through despite the physical tiredness we may Mm -hmm. experience 
Um, it's definitely something internally that keeps us driving. Hey guys, it's Marie Rose. If you guys haven't already, definitely check out our Discord server for Possibly Ponder. We do weekly quote of the days, hangouts, and a place where everybody can chill, study, and meet new people. If you guys are interested in joining the community, definitely check out the Discord link in the description below.